I'm Aunt Kelly Anakin. And I'm Molly of Mitchell Sanchez. We're here to take birth control and talk about The Handmaid's Tale. And we're all out of birth control. Thanks, Trump. This is Red All Over, your handy Handmaid's Tale recap. Blessed be the fruit. Where's the self-care horn? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, we we could wait. We could wait. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll bring it up. um, As mentioned in uh, TV Guide Magazine. TV Guide Magazine. Thank you so much, John Russell. You are a mensch for mentioning us. Yes, what a male ally. He really is. Mm -hmm. He really is. He's great. Yeah, remember, helping your female friends in capitalism is also allyship. <laughs> it is. And speaking of capitalism, <gasps> Ooh. big shout out to redhead Jessica Lovering. Yes, Jessica Lovering donated to us in March, which we completely missed somehow. Very sorry. And she donated to us again on Venmo. On Venmo, So yeah. thank you so much, Jessica. We thank were you. able to buy a new DC adapter for our recording equipment uh-huh. and, because of your generosity. And business cards. Yeah, so this is Yadala's at work. Yeah. And if you would like to get a shout out on the podcast, <laughs> like one Jessica Lovering, you can donate to our Venmo. It's Venmo.com slash red all over. One more time, Venmo.com slash red all over. Absodoodle. I want to give a shout out to redhead Jennifer Hale Holmond, who said she loves our podcast. She thinks we're funny and she wants to be our best friend, but not in a creepy way. And guess what? Yeah, a best friend now, Jennifer <laughs> Holman. So be careful what you ask for, BB, because... It might happen. So ask yeah, we be my maid of honor. Yeah, be that's our a lot of, of work. Honor. That's a lot of work. Can you plan our bachelorette? Yeah, party? can you plan our bachelorette party? But uh, yeah, you can be our bestie. Uh, but right, <laughs> right, quick before we get going, I want to point you guys to something that's happening in the news that is eerily reminiscent of the early days of Gilead, and I really want us to try to nip it in the bud as a community. So I don't know if you've been paying attention, but I have not. Okay, great. I'll explain it to you. So there is a... Are you going to mall-splain it to me? (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to mall-splaining, where I explain something as Molly. Um, So there's this law coming out called FOSTA-SESTA, and it's it's imminently... I believe it is approved, or it's going to be approved. Like, it's in the process of becoming... Oh, yeah, uh, it's signed into law so far in the early stages. And it's a bill that says that you can't solicit for sex on online communities and any website that allows people to solicit for sex on their website is responsible for that and they could uh, get sued for it. So what this means is preemptively sites like Craigslist and Backpage withdrew their like adult personals listing right. from their sites preemptively. And what this means is a lot of sex workers who are using those sites to solicit clients now don't have a platform to do that on because any platform that has sex work on it can be uh, legislated against. And this can potentially apply to places like Twitter or any place where you're posting about sex work could potentially be seen as like, uh-oh, you're soliciting sex work on this online platform, mm-hmm. we can sue Twitter or we can sue Facebook. So because they don't want to get sued, they would stop you from speaking that way. Well, you know what's... Uh, as far as I understand It's not it. funny, funny, but like if this goes, you know, forward and isn't, you know, altered or repealed, like, 
you know Facebook and Twitter are going to crack down on the sex work when they refuse to crack down on white supremacists. Of course, of course. And so, you know, if we're going to give it the benefit of the doubt, the intention of this bill was to crack down on people who are being trafficked against their will or just exploited. But what it does, you know, in trying to do that is it takes away a platform where a sex worker could safely filter through clients yeah. and safely advertise. And so what this means is that anyone who makes their living via sex work, now where do they go? They go on the street mm-hmm. or they're on the mercy of pimps. And it just it just means that like women are going to be hurt more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, oh, I'm sorry. Are you suggesting that? The legislative branch of the U.S. government doesn't have women's best interests right. at heart <laughs> under this president. I know this I know. humanitarian that it's we have, shock. quote unquote, elected. It's a shock. Just to remind you guys from the Handmaid's Tale book, sort of the first wave of people who were affected by Gilead were sex workers. They shut mm-hmm. down pornography websites. They shut down um, the sex mobiles, the sex mobiles. They shut down the sex trade and in the book, they say kind of nobody did anything because it was like, yeah, we should get rid of those people. And we know from reading this book that it was a slippery slope from getting rid of that kind of work to getting rid of all kinds of work for mm-hmm. women. So I'm not necessarily saying that that same thing will happen, but be mindful. Well, this no, is the kind of not- shit that happened in this dystopian world. And if we're saying like, oh, it's just in a book, you know, it would never happen. It's this stuff is happening. So please. Well, look, and I mean, just, you know, with two feet planted firmly in reality, sex work is work. Yeah. It is absurd to me yeah. that at this late date, it is still illegal. Totally. And, you know, it's one of those, like, okay, fine. If you all fucking puritanical assholes want to criminalize it, criminalize the Johns. Yeah. But even that, like, that hurts sex workers, too. Totally. Like, I'm friends with multiple sex workers. I don't want to be like, I have one sex worker friend. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, there are a lot of factors that affect, you know, their employment. And, you know, it's basically, in many cases, it's like freelance. Of course. And, you know, anything... Anything like this or anything even like adversely affecting their clientele, like by and large, these are people, you know, people who use sex or, you know, who use doesn't sound right in this context, but like people who uh, benefit from sex. Yeah. Or people who pay for sex. They're just people who just want to have sex and they don't want to deal with all the rest of it, which I'm empathetic to that right now. Of course. I don't want to go on dates with people who I don't like. Well, uh, yeah, so I encourage... Anyway, but it's just, yeah, so just, you know... I encourage you to make sure that your feminism includes women who are sex workers, women and men and, you know, genderqueer people who are sex workers. And I would encourage you to call your congressperson and let them know that this is an important issue to you and you would like the repeal of SESTA. And if you can't find it in your heart to find empathy for sex workers, which please don't listen to this show if that's the case. Yeah. For any reason you can't find it in your heart to empathize with sex workers... This is a huge like net neutrality issue as well, because mm-hmm. if they can if the government can start policing things like what individual users can post online, it, it, it that to me feels like a slippery slope. Yeah. So, guys, pay attention. Fosta Sesta is insidious early Gilead shit and try your best to combat it in any way that you can. You can find more information at stopsesta.org. That's S-T-O-P-S-E-S-T-A dot org. It has really great tips and stuff for how you can get more educated and how you can educate your community. Yeah, because also, if you love this podcast, you can't think that uh, they're going to let us stay on the air. Uh, (laughs) This shit starts happening. (laughs) 
uh, also, I have to say, listen, it's a very serious issue, and you're correct about that. But all I can think of when you say Fausta Sesta is on Orphan Black. I don't, did you ever watch Orphan Black? Okay, this is going to be for like 10 people. Okay. But there's a character who's like from Russia named Helena. And I keep thinking that it's like Foster Sestra, which is Russian for sister. So go to my Foster Sestra. <laughs> anyway, that feels terrible and not amusing like Helena occasionally is. So right. anyway, listen. Now we can get into this show. Oh my God. So this is season two, episode two, Unwomen, which I was stoked about because I feel like they didn't get super into the Unwomen concept right. in the first season. I mean, we knew about the colonies. We knew that it was a bad scene. Yeah. And so we opened and, and June is in this truck mm-hmm. with a rude old Boston guy. Yeah. Uh, very rude man. I don't think he's rude. I thought he was very rude. But I mean, again, it's like, you know, the underground female road is not not a warm and cuddly place. It's not a spa. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Can I provide a Yelp review for my escape from Gilead? Hi. Because I have... Can I speak to your manager? <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know his name. <laughs> and so he takes her to this, like... What appears at at first blush to be like this warehouse mm-hmm. and she's getting out and he's just like, well, have fun. And she's like, but where am I going next? He's like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, just stay here and don't go outside. My favorite exchange from here is she goes under his eye and he goes, yeah, after a while, crocodile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we already have our sign off. But if we didn't yeah. already have our sign off, that would be it. <laughs> <laughs> Under his eye. After a while, crocodile. I think this this so far this season is so phenomenal because we know from the epilogue that June begins a kind of escape. Mm-hmm. But we never get to see what that looks like. And yeah. this is like giving us what that looks like. And it is just as scary as her in captivity. Well, this is so scary. And one thing I wonder is if the episodes that we find in a box on the street, mm-hmm. if they mix them darker than they would broadcast. That is funny. I was wondering the same thing. Because, I mean, my my TV is cranked up to the brightest setting that it has, as is my laptop. And it's just like I can barely see because this is her. And she has, I think, a flashlight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's like going through this place and we hear like a bunch of sirens mm-hmm. and Oof. she can't see anything. And, and we don't know, you know, are the sirens coming for her? Yeah. Did it make you at all nervous that the truck doesn't have a, for lack of a better word, a lid on it? <laughs> <laughs> you mean that it has an open bed? Yeah. Uh, not particularly. I was nervous. I mean, I thought because that truck had so much like equipment and stuff on it, uh-huh. it seemed like a probably a good way to hide mm-hmm. and less suspicious, honestly, than a, than a, totally than a closed, closed bed. Yeah. yeah. Also, have you been having handmade running away nightmares? Because no. I have. No. My dreams. Hmm. No, they've been weird, but they haven't been about the handmaid's tale. Yeah, I've been unfortunately accidentally mixing allergy medicine with like a glass of wine and watching the handmaid's tale and i'm like what do you mean unfortunately that sounds like a dream <laughs> i wouldn't recommend it because you have very vivid very scary running away hand that's what you know part of why it took me so long to quit smoking cigarettes was that i kept trying to do it with the patch mm-hmm. and the patch the nicotine patch gives you insane vivid no. dreams and they would just fuck me up Weird. Yeah, so anyway, I eventually did quit smoking. By the way, cold turkey, quit smoking. It's bad for you. So, yeah. So then she's in this warehouse or whatever. We don't know what it is. Just yet. <laughs> but then what does she find? Stop. Hammer time. <laughs> she found a hammer. And so we finally get to see what the heck is the up hammer's with that hammer. for. Yeah. 
Yeah. So this is the hammer. This is the hammer. Yeah. Unfortunately, not Army Hammer, who no. is delicious. Yes, indeed. Mm, I'll call you by any name, Army. Any name. <laughs> the fun fact before we move on. <laughs> those swim shorts he wears in the movie are so small that they had to go out and digitally edit out the sides of his balls that were falling out <gasps> oh in my several God. scenes. And I'm like, Why? That sounds like a great comedy moment that we as a culture missed out on is Army Hammer's little balls. But also, I want to see more dudes junk in movies. This has been a platform of this podcast for years. Like, yeah, boobs are great. But like, guess what else is great? Dick and balls. It is upsetting that we didn't see one dick in Call Me By Your Name. Yeah. It's about dicks uh, anyway. and putting them in stuff like peaches and other men. Yeah. Let's go on to the next scene, which is the colonies, which I assume takes place in Bakersfield. <laughs> <laughs> it does look very similar to parts of Bakersfield. Well, you know, I, I mean, visited. we don't we don't get a good sense of how far away it is right. from b- the the greater Boston area. Mm-hmm. Do you think they renamed Boston? I guess not, because they still call it Washington, D.C. Do they? I think so. Oh, okay. I, I, don't, I don't have a good read. Maybe they could rename it like Nineveh or something. Ooh, By the way, sexy. one of my jobs right now is doing like PR outreach, and one of the reporters, her first name was Nineveh. That's neat. I know, right? I was like, oh my God. Like, I'm not huge on Bible names. That's not true. I love Bible names. But like, I was like, oh my God, what an innovative Bible name that That's is. Really cool yeah. One. Mm-hmm. I'm still holding out for meeting someone in real life named Hepzibah. <laughs> I have a question for you. So we see the women and the unwomen, mm-hmm. the eponymous unwomen yeah. in the colonies. And knowing how much care the costume designer puts into every piece for the show, because she said that the the cloaks of the handmaids are supposed to look like vaginas. Yes. Mm-hmm. What do you make of this unwoman outfit that has what looks like a circle on the back and a circle on the front? I genuinely don't know, but I also noted that. Pay because, attention to that. Yeah. yeah, because I just, I don't know what it's for. It feels like the kind of thing, like, you know, like if your mom, like, is grabbing you from, like, mm-hmm. walking into traffic. But, I mean, I just, I don't know. I don't know. And... I, I guess, like, if we're trying to deep dive on something we don't know that much about, maybe it's like a circle of like a black, you have the black spot like a pirate has where it's yeah, like you're but... now marked. Well, it could be. Let's, let's entertain that. It could be if you have a black spot in like maritime, it's like you are marked for death. Right. So these are women who they're just going to work until they die. There's mm-hmm. no salvation. So maybe it's something with that. But have you considered that maybe it's the circle of life? <laughs> Yes, that could be. And your your circle is like complete now. And yeah. You're just running the same loop. I feel, I feel until that Until you find the yellow spotted lizards. I feel that it's functional. Like, oh, yeah. I don't know what the function of it is, mm-hmm. but, you know, this is just, this is the tip of the desiccated soil <laughs> as far as the unwomen in the colonies are concerned. So yeah. I'm hopeful that we'll see the purpose of that hole. <laughs> the purpose of the hole. <laughs> it's a quadruple entendre <laughs> and they have to stop for prayer yeah and this is the scene that we saw at paley fest mm-hmm. of the colonies which it's so much longer than i thought because i for some reason was remembering it from paley fest as being only like 
yes. a couple minutes long and i was I like agree. oh wow this just keeps going and poor emily looks a mess a mess a mess just she's a disaster and it, look, i didn't think she was gonna be all me neither you know bright-eyed and bushy-tailed no. but man this is a rough life and you were saying that we have to stop calling her rory. we have to stop calling her rory and it's this episode that made yeah. me decide that because she is she's i mean great. jesus christ good on you pete campbell i assume for teaching her how to open her mouth fully because it makes such a difference she's yeah her alexis, face acting is right up there with emos's yeah alexis bladell is really coming into her own oh as my an gosh actress, and yeah. i can't wait to see what else she does it's phenomenal she's really great speaking of we get her backstory <gasps> Ooh. I know. I'm already so upset. I sobbed through this. This is so upsetting. And this is also great. Okay, so she's teaching cell biology. Remember, she was a biologist and a professor. I think, is this MIT? I didn't get a read, but it did. I meant to, because they were standing late in another scene. They're standing in front of the Mist Theater. And I meant to look that up, but I failed to do so. Anyway, but she basically, oh God, (laughs) this is just, it's so fucking weird because she's in class and somebody asks a question and some dude like interjects and is mansplaining and then Emily shuts him down. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, she's talking to the student who is female who asked the question. She's like, oh, you know. Don't let guys like that intimidate you. And the girl's like, well, it gets better. Like when you go to like grad school and stuff. And she's like, "Mm, nope, 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 it doesn't. You just got to hunker down. And she's like, I'm going to send you these resources. And the student sees on her phone and she's like, oh, is that your son? And it's like her and her wife and their son. And we knew that she had a wife and a son. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like no big deal. She said it's our son. Yeah. Yeah. Because it could have been just her and a gal pal. Yeah. The thing that you are glossing over is that she has a bunch of college students smell their armpits in class. <laughs> Which, like, I don't think I was glossing over it so much as I had mentally blocked it out, even though, honestly, I love smelling my own armpits. Like, I think I have a really delightful musk. It's like, I've been in college classes where you can smell people's armpits, like, non-voluntarily. <laughs> Yeah, I went to theater school. Shout it out was to uh, SF State's Humanities Department. It was fragrant. <laughs> yeah. So I wrote, lol, Gilead is within your armpits. <laughs> I wrote down another note that to go on with the story is that student complains. They totally pull the rug out from under you. Yeah. Because like, you're like, oh, she's probably cool. Like, she's probably an ally. By virtue of being woman, she's also a black student. Mm -hmm. So you're like, oh, yeah, she's going to be down with Mm -hmm. the struggle. Mm -hmm. Uh, No, she's not. She reports her for having... And it may have been multiple students. Yeah, but it says not maintaining a healthy learning environment. And I wrote, comma, stank. (laughs) (laughs) I would report that stank-ass teacher, too. (laughs) Not like, is it because she's a lesbian? I'm like, "Uh, no, because she made everyone smell their armpits in class. You just don't know how to have a good time, Molly. (laughs) why do you hate pheromones (laughs) oh my god so her boss is talking to her who is an actor i have seen before his name is john carroll something but the only thing i can recognize him from is american horror story hotel where he plays john wayne gacy uh he also is an american horror story freak show i think was that the one with the clown yeah he was the clown he was the terrifying clown. Oh, spoiler. Uh, no, man. <laughs> and he was also in The Americans, which is my favorite show. i Which is back. Blessed day. The Americans oh, is back. And he's in The Founder, which I also really like. Okay. And so, I yeah. think he also played Drew Carey's brother, 
who hooked up with Mimi on the Drew Carey show. All of his roles. Look, John Carroll Lynch is his full there name. That's go. what it is. I'm like, I looked it up. He he is telling her what I would have taken as great news. <laughs> she does. She's not going to teach next semester, but they're going to pay her to just keep doing research. Uh, which, and her research is on mitochondria, which is very exciting to me because from A Wind in the Door, the second book in the Wrinkle in Time oh. quintet. Kate Murray, Meg and Charles Wallace's mom, all of her research is around mitochondria. Which, as we know, is the powerhouse of the cell. <laughs> thing I know. Well, and and in that, there's a, a fictional component called the Ferrandole, which is like Ooh. the soul of the cell. Ooh. Yeah. So I think, yeah. But she is understandably upset by it because it means that she's being taken out of the classroom and they say, with what happened with Congress, we're uh-huh. just trying to lay low. And it comes out, <gasps> that guy's gay too. And again, they're doing such a great job of sort of like setting you up to be like, oh, this white guy, he's really like trying to keep her down. And like, oh, this young female student is really trying to keep her down. Mm-hmm. But oh, no, it's the opposite mm-hmm. of what you thought. And he's gay and he took all of his photos of his partner out of his office. And his partner says that he's a collaborator. Yeah. And yeah, God. And I cried in this scene. I cried too. I cried because, too. well, he says to her, I know. He says that I thought my generation was the last generation that would have to deal with this shit. I know. And it's just, it's just fucking horrible. It is horrible. It's very cruddy. And we're seeing like, of course, people are defiant about having to hide the fact that they're gay, but like, it doesn't get them anywhere because see where it gets yeah. Emily and where it got Moira. You well, know? and it's just, I don't know. It's so terrifying still because like the violence against trans people, trans women in particular is, it's still so rampant. Absolutely. It is so widespread and, you know, you know, again, like as we were saying before, like things are a slippery slope and it's just yeah. like. Look to how society is treating like the people that it views as the most dispensable or the most offensive, like, and get ready to be treated that way yourself. Absolutely. Well, it's like that. I believe it's the the Bible quote where it's like, what did you do when they came for the least of me? Uh Uh-huh. And that's what it is. That's um, not to mansplain the Bible please, to you. Please do. Whatsoever you do to the least of my people, that's what it that is. you do unto me. Exactly. Yeah. So whatever. I don't yeah. Know so you should keep being nice to strangers because it might be your fairy <laughs> godmother or Jesus. <laughs> or, you know, just protect sex workers and queer people. All right. Memo to Jesus. If you want to make contact, I would really like for you to say, plus a day, Kelly. You would shit your pants. I'm Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'd be like, Jesus! I'd be like Lucille Bluth when Gene Parmesan shows up. Ah! That's my favorite (laughs) bit on that show. Uh, So so then we flash back. Oh, this is great. She is kind of, she says very vehemently, she's like, no, I'm teaching next year. You can fuck off. Yeah. And he goes, well, welcome to the fight. It sucks, which was my motto of 2017. Uh Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, it still sucks. Yeah. We're just inured. We all said don't normalize things, but yeah. uh, they get normalized. Well, keep fighting. It yeah. sucks, but you got to keep going, baby. Fight Sestra. Fight Sestra. So then <laughs> we go to the colonies. Now, I have to say, for as brutal as this episode was, it was also hilarious. Look, <laughs> humor's all you got. I know. Like, I was starting to think of, so we had that panel at Paley Fest where they asked, where would these people be in Gilead? Mm-hmm. And none of them knew how to answer <laughs> But which is so dumb. It's very dumb. But I think like the place that I would serve in Gilead is like I know I would be a handmaid and 
I want to think that I would be defiant, but I know I wouldn't because Mm -mm. I'm very scared of authority. Mm -mm. But I do think I would be the handmaid, like in line of other handmaids, being like, "Well, at least, at least it's not Monday, right?" (laughs) I would be like the comic relief handmaid that would like be friends with the wife and be like, "Girl, do you see his face? Oh my god." When, when I'm scratching your palm, that means he's doing that weird thing with his penis. Listen to this, girl. So it would mean like I would make things fun for people for a little while and then definitely get murdered. <laughs> I don't like my odds, but I do know that I would be that person sick in the colonies that was like, boy, I'm going to write a bad Yelp review, girl. Yeah. <laughs> all i have well no and and like and emily is sort of their like de facto medic Mm -hmm. and she you know has this like first aid kit and is just sort of going around administering (laughs) where she can help but like there is one woman who's so sick and she's like i could give her some aspirin and no she didn't she said i could give her some tylenol because guess what this season of the handmaid's tale is brought to you by tylenol are you shitting me no because now we're like (laughs) two for two episodes where they mentioned tylenol by name are you kidding me no because i did not clock that and i am all about vertical integration no in the first one uh june has to buy tylenol to give to the baby (gasps) right and then in this one there's tylenol and like that's not i don't consider tylenol to be the kind of thing where it's like a kleenex type thing yeah because you just said aspirin just now so just say aspirin but no they're naming yeah tylenol, so i think this unofficial sponsor of this season of the handmaid's tale is tylenol it'll be well i'm like i don't have just humble bragging i don't have commercials on my hulu um <laughs> wow <laughs> you can write it off on your taxes if you have a podcast oh that's great yeah thank you i'll, I'll give you i'll give you the lowdown okay offline so i thought that was funny that they mentioned tylenol that was my only joke for that so anyway but they're the woman who's sort of helping this really sick woman is like she's like gonna die like she can't keep anything down don't waste the tylenol mm-hmm. she's just gonna barf it back up i'm confused at where they're finding all this shit because i yeah did duck eggs which sound delicious yeah for tylenol and they keep finding shit and i don't know where or why well you've got to figure there's some look there's got to be a black market out in the boondocks i guess and we know that emily is an operator like listen and this made this episode makes her character even more impressive Mm -hmm. to me because it's like she's in this shit box of a place well they have their own herb garden because we see her after this you know where she kind of goes around and is like helping people she goes out into the herb garden to like pull some herbs and stuff you know i mean she is still actively resisting like wherever she goes she resists the fuck Mm. out of gilead she refuses to just buckle down and accept any of this you go girl no it's admirable i would not do it i am lazy af i would just after i was done being silly i would just like lie in the road and be like can a car hit me please yeah no and i mean like that's the thing is like you know i feel like you know again you know people complain about slacktivism or whatever like when you talk about what resistance is like i know a lot of people who are like career activists and your life is miserable and not comfortable no. when that's your life. And, and that's kind of the thing. Yeah, yeah. And I like to be comfortable. Well, you know who used to like to be comfortable? Who? Marissa Tomei. This blind fucking sighted me. I 
screamed aloud. I cannot believe that at no point either of us were ever like, oh, maybe Marissa Tomei is going to be a wife. Because it just never occurred to me that wives would be sent to the colonies. I know. But of course they are. Of course they are. Women are disposable. Whatsoever you do to the least of my handmaids, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that you do unto Marissa Tomei. Mm -hmm. So I was flabbergasted that she was a handmaid and that, or pardon me, a wife. And that's the end of that scene. Well, and I didn't even, again, because it's mixed so dark. I know. It took I was like, I was just like, who is that? Because I saw the description is like an unexpected arrival causes like upheaval in the colonies. And I was like, they knew Janine was coming, right? Like, I know. I thought it was like, Janine as well. Like people have like a, like a pool going, right? Like how long <laughs> till Janine winds up in the colonies though? <laughs> Gonna be soon. The next scene is June and the hammer in this building. And I wrote slash the office crossover. <laughs> <laughs> She goes up from like the loading dock or whatever. Well, yeah, because she found the hammer. It was in some jello. And this is. Here we see this very scary scene that we saw from the trailer, and it turns out it's not that scary. It's just her I was being bored. Super disappointed. Me too. I wanted her to smashy smashy. Me too. She doesn't smashy smashy, but she does find oh God. a Friends DVD. So so far, Hammer's Tales brought to you by Friends and NBC. She she looked at she looked at the Friends DVD that she found in somebody's desk, and she's like, "Huh? So no one told you life was going to be this way." <laughs> I have to give credit where credit was due. That that joke and another friend's joke I'm going to tell later came from my man, Master Mitch. That's pretty solid. Because <laughs> I was so terrified the whole time. You know what? We should recut this scene with the... Uh, <laughs> so that is funny. And I wrote... The joke that I wrote was, wow, we know timeline-wise Gilead happened at a time when Friends was not on Netflix. <laughs> so that's very sad. That was my question. I was like, who the fuck... Is still watching DVDs. Uh, Maybe that's like the secret, like Hulu financed this because they were like <laughs> in a world without streaming video. I love that. Um, the sons of Jacob came to rule. The last joke for Mitch, she goes, "They should call this episode the one where we poisoned Marissa Tomei." <laughs> Good job. So, uh, but we also find out this is the former headquarters of the Boston Globe. Yes, we knew we were going to see it, but I thought we were going to see it like in flashbacks. Me too. But she picked a, I mean, that's a cool ass place to be stranded because it's a great device. Yeah, but I mean, it, we knew that they were going to do something with newspapers, you know, so maybe we'll flashback. Maybe we will. I would love to see what the fuck the press was doing. Yeah. But it's also just because I love the movie Zodiac <laughs> and I just always want every movie to be Zodiac. the scenes yeah, yeah. that the san francisco chronicle and zodiac totally and there's some wonderful shots here where like she pushes her hair back behind her ear and you can see the huge like almost still bloody remains of yeah i mean she's still got blood on her face like she has not had a chance i think the guy said when he dropped her that there's electricity i don't know if they have running water in there oh that's a good question i mean it seems maybe i don't know so then she's hiding and she hears someone coming in (gasps) <gasps> we think someone's about to get killed with this hammer and no it's nick well and before that right before that she has been just sort of wandering around in the basement <gasps> oh, no, yeah yeah and oh. she finds a whole line of nooses just hanging and remember uh she was just almost hung she just oh, thought she God. was gonna be hung and behind that is a wall 
covered in old blood and bullet holes. So, so like they hung them, then they shot them, or there are so many people. I think some combo, of them hung, you know, yeah. or may, you know, I don't know. Like maybe you know, grisly. on Wednesdays we hang people. It is a, a scary scene. So she's stuck there in this scary place, mm-hmm. and then Nick comes. And she is immediately pissed off that he wants her to lay low. Uh-huh. Look, I get this, but also, like, all of her interactions with Nick in this episode made me so fucking glad that I'm not in a relationship. <laughs> because it's just like, just like, you know, you want one thing and the other person doesn't get it and everybody's mad and nobody's mm-hmm. right. And I was just like, oh, I'm going to be alone forever. <laughs> but I mean, Go ahead. Well, just she, you know, she's angry at Nick because he doesn't know what comes next. And I love this moment of like vulnerability from him. He's like, I've never done this before. And she keeps demanding like, we're we're leaving. We're getting Hannah. We're going north. And he's like, you're not a Martha. You're a pregnant handmaid. We can't just take these risks. Like people are really out looking for you. I know. He said, you can't be rebel handmaid commander, which is my favorite G.I. Joe character. (laughs) But he's so right. Like, she's been in captivity for so long Uh that, like, she is ready to go, keep going. Mm -hmm. And he wants her practically to stop for a little while. Yeah. And then she's like, fine, fuck it. I'm going to take your car. And I wrote, damn, don't give her the keys. I was actually really glad that he gave her the keys. Oh, really? I think, again, this is like the kind of fight in a relationship where you, like, where you're not like the aggressor and you're like, okay, they just need to wear themselves out and I'm just going to give you the keys. Cause it's like, look, she's, she's in a very heightened emotional state. She's pregnant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know. I keep thinking that too. You know, she's not going to take this unnecessary risk. And I think that he knows that. And I, what I like about this is that it's like, okay, you know what? He trusts her enough to know that ultimately she's not going to do something stupid. Well, I didn't trust her that way. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I was like, well, okay, bye, Nick. I, find your own way home. Call a chariot. She's taking the car. <laughs> Hashtag delete chariots, Molly. <laughs> Such a weird scene. But like you said, she does. She kind of tires herself out. And no, she like, gets in the car. Oh, when I'm like, Jesus Christ, how long has it been since you behind the wheel of a car? Because oh, yeah. I only use the car that I share with my ex intermittently. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when it's been, I'm like, can, do I remember how this works? Like, <laughs> It's yeah. not like riding a bike. And well, and he's got like a big car and she's got to back it out of this. Yeah. Like, I just would, I would like stop the resistance just if, so I didn't have to like parallel park that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so then I wrote my next note. My immediate next note is angry hand job exclamation point. Oh man. This was a good part. Listen, <laughs> this was mixed very dark. So I didn't see the whole thing, but I immediately was like, mm, I wish I was in a relationship. So I could have angry sex. This is great. Cause she immediately gets to <laughs> the car and is like she goes to nick's arms and we've seen this a couple of times where it's like she's sad he holds her this time she like pulls, <gasps> she his, pulls hair his hair and she like <gasps> bites him and she angrily starts jerking him and i wrote this is the first pleasantly rough sex we've seen in oh yeah because it's all been like oh well, and, and this is about her taking control yeah, listen I i'm getting a little i'm getting a little twitterpated I'm getting Twitter pages. Just sitting here. As well. Well, the hottest part. So she, like, she fucks him. Like, not, this is the first time I think we see June taking control sexually. Uh-huh. Like, she's been on top, but, like, even then. And even then. <laughs> even then, it seemed like she just had a. Well, one of them was with Luke. Right. Where she was. And actually, I thought 
that they were cutting from the angry hand job to her fucking Luke in her oh, old office building, no, but then no. it was Max Mengele. And I'm, you know, I'm fine with all this. So, But I think that what's interesting about this is that this is also probably the first time that she's been allowed to vocalize during mm, sex. Because mm-hmm. even when they're having sex in Nick's apartment, like, it's very clandestine. And this yeah, is Yeah, I mean, like, you can only turn that vinyl turntable <laughs> up so loud. No one... No one... He doesn't have Bluetooth. Yeah. Hopefully, like, you're very alone here. So this whole scenes of her, like, taking control and taking her pleasure into her own hands is so empowering. And the best part, the sexiest part is she, like, dismounts. They're laying there. And you can see, like, this little glint in her eye and her hand starts to go down his body. And Nick goes, like, I'm sorry. I cannot. And she goes, try. Try. Oh my God, try. Get you some, Alfred. But also, though, Alfred, that like, that almost never works. (laughs) Y'all gonna have a floppy dick somewhere. (laughs) So let's go back to the colonies. So this is where I actually realized it was Marissa Tomei. Oh, really? I didn't get it in the first. Oh, my God. And she was such a fucking chump when she arrived. Like, she gets there and she's still in her wife outfit. And it's like, it's basically like, this is what would really happen, like, in Orange is the New Black, like, when Piper gets to prison. I was thinking that <laughs> you this know? is the Orange is the New Black crossover. Because well, she gets there and she's praying out loud like a dweeb. You know, everybody's like, oh, you know, find a bed wife and like everybody's like getting on their bed and like mean mean mugging mean mugging i was like what's that word you know here (laughs) so everybody's mean mugging her and the note i wrote was nail hazing (laughs) oh right oh because this part is like after they have been working yeah yeah and they're like all scrubbing their hands and emily's like um the water's contaminated so use like so she's like helping her out Mm -hmm. and like showing her the ropes yeah. But I mean, it's pretty consistent with what we've seen so far from her in the colony is she's just trying to help people. Yeah. But so then the body horror happens when one of the other ladies pulls off her already falling off fingernail and puts it on the soap right before Marissa Tomei mm-hmm. is going to use it. Good job. So don't drop the soap, but also don't let somebody put their nail on the soap. I don't know that you could stop them. <laughs> <laughs> Has that ever happened to you where your nail fell off? Not on my finger. I think on my toes. <gasps> I don't. Yeah. It's horrifying. It does seem like she's trying to extend her some kindness and fucking marissa tomei is trying to give us like not all wives bullshit oh my god of like i was against the university purges it's like fuck off and she had she had an mfa in interior design and she's in the colonies for adultery and she's like she's woke enough where she is like because emily asked like what happened to your commander your husband and she's like oh he probably got a promotion and she's like do you think god look you can never win with a person who asks you a question like this is such pollyanna do you think god will forgive me because i was in love and it's like this was probably an i and your husband was sick of you did she say that he was so busy with a handmaid so, I mean, I think this is like a lot of the commanders are abusing their relation. I mean, I oh, know yeah. that we already, but it's like very widespread where they're like, oh, look at this shiny new toy. Absolutely. Well, it has to. I would think it has to be. And I think that like, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of them were doing it under the guise of like, well, let's get more intimate. Yeah. Kind of yeah like yeah. the commander did just uh-huh. because like sex is more en- enjoyable when mm-hmm. you like know the person. Well, and I can also see a scenario where both the wife and the husband are like, you know, like 
we know when the fertile days are, but like, honestly, like, let's just keep pumping sperm into this person. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. So she's trying to like explain away mm-hmm. her sins and it's not really working. Well, and she is convinced that somehow she's going to get out of the colonies. I know. And the colonies don't really seem like the kind of place you can come back from. Genuinely, they don't. So I'm really interested. Like, for all the holes comparisons we've made, <laughs> ain't no onions in the colonies. Mm-mm. Okay. Mm-mm. <laughs> no Madame Zeroni curses are going to be broken. <laughs> Nobody gets out alive. Yeah. Yes. This whole thing was hard to watch. Just this whole being in the colonies and everybody's so sick and everybody's dying. It's very scary. And then we're almost at the end of the episode. Well, did we see Emily give her the no. drugs yet? Get going. Yeah. So Emily offers her. Antibiotics. Antibiotics. I'm doing Molly's the- Molly's winking uh <laughs> non non subtly. I'm doing the on this audio Lucille podcast. Blue <laughs> wink. <laughs> uh, She's like three martinis in people. <laughs> uh, now, did you think this was real? I thought it I was totally t- They hoodwinked me. A hundred and twenty-seven percent. I was like, "Oh, Emily's such a nice person." Well, because again, it's so consistent. Because Marissa Tomei is like, "Why are you doing this?" And Emily says, "My mistress was kind to me once, and that is true. That is true. We saw the nice wife with the nice dog who, who was like, said, you don't have to get raped tonight, yeah. basically.' And that was like, oh, so nice. Again, it's impossible not to normalize." Ugh. Even in a fictional universe that we're not in. But you're right. When she said that, I was like, oh, that's nice. And I was like, like, oh, maybe she's going to be friends with Melissa Tomei. The next note I wrote was, oh, Rory killed a bitch. Yes. <laughs> well, I think before we get to that, we get the Emily flashback, which makes the death of Marissa Tomei all the more impactful. Yes. Because I totally gloss over. That? I don't know, because this is a long flashback. This is, you know, I didn't write notes because I was sobbing. This is so upsetting. And so it is Emily. Okay, we're going to get through this. Emily is on campus at what I am again going to keep assuming is MIT. And she sees people looking upset outside. I knew something bad, something very, very, very bad was coming. It's going to be, you know, the improv club is doing (laughs) some kooky. It's a flash mob. (laughs) Blessed day. Do you want to join my improv troupe? Yes, and... (laughs) Um, yes, so we knew- command. Uh, <laughs> we knew it was going to be something bad. Okay, anyway, so this has been enough levity. She goes outside and sees the word faggot oh. spray painted. And then you look up and John Carroll Lynch uh, has been lynched. And he has been hung outside the university for everyone to see. And it is extremely upsetting. And so she and her... Did you catch her wife's name? I thought he said Syl at one point, but I'm not sure. Oh, they said it. I just kept calling her Clea in my Yeah, mind, right, because so. Clea Duvall. Anyway. Sorry. So they're at the airport, and they'll check in Clea Duvall and Oliver, the son, who's probably two or three. He's little, little. He's yeah. so little. And they're having all this trouble. And again, I'm like looking at this and it's so weird because it's like, I don't know if it's just like the chaos of the situation or I'm like, have you all just never been to an airport? Because I feel like there were no like clear lines anywhere. But anyway, so like they're trying well, to get through. I think it's an airport in chaos is yeah. what they're trying to say. So a mass exodus of people. They go and they basically give 
Emily a provisional boarding pass. And they're like, you have to go see this person. But since you're married, it's fine. So Cleo Duvall is Canadian. dual citizenship. So she yeah. she can fly no problem. Which is interesting to know because I had always assumed beforehand that they were somewhere in the system as well. And like Oliver was given She to says family. in season one that they got away, but she was stopped. Oh, she did? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. So they go and talk to another guy who is not nice. And Emily is like, she's very defiant and like Clay Duvall's like, could you just like cool it? Because we're trying to go to Canada. And, but it's also like, what else are you supposed to No, no, no. I know. But anyway, so they're there and you know, she's telling the guy, she's like, okay. Oh my God. And he asks whose egg Oliver came from and all this shit. And she's like, well, but we're married. The guy at the gate was like, this is fine. And he's like, no, it's not valid anymore. It's forbidden. And they're like, what? And, you know, the upshot winds up being that she can't go. And oh, oh my God. The scene where they say goodbye. So she and Claire Duvall are kissing each other and just holding each other. And And Oliver is just like on the floor playing and laughing because he's a fucking baby and he has no idea. And so she kisses him goodbye and they go up and she's just standing there with her bag and like, and then we know what fucking happens to her. I know. The part that destroyed me was how calm they both have to be because you can't be scared because kids smell that. Well, there's that. that. And like, this is... wildly unpredictable government that you don't know anything about and like they could try to keep clea back too like you don't know i was most worried about every time they gave her the opportunity to go ahead Uh i'm being like just take it baby yeah just go just go worried about it and just go one other thing i want to point out is that in this whole group of scenes ice agents are very very prominent so and it's interesting because i think you know they they sort of tried to deflect that at the paley fest panel like well you know we don't want it to be just for this time but i'm like you're deliberately foregrounding the ice agents to be like this is bullshit what's happening right now totally so scary this is horrible and terrifying and just and again and it's like we cut immediately from her seeing her boss hung to them at the airport. So like, this is not a situation where you have like Luke and June, like sniping at each other in the car for not leaving at time. And again, I think it's interesting that these two queer women mm-hmm. were immediately, I assume oh, like, yeah. hell no, we're getting out of here. This is, I bet you anything weeks before June. And, oh, absolutely. Months, even potentially go. months. Like, oh, yeah. You know, we don't have a really solid sense of timeline of like, how long did it take from the attacks on the Capitol? How long did it take, you know, to kind of eject all of the foreigners Mm -hmm. and recall people who were abroad and like all this shit? Yeah. So So, then we cut back to... Oh, sorry. What interests me about this, though, is that I wonder if... Luke and Moira are going to run into Clea and Oliver at some point. I hope even not. I hope it's just passing in the background. You're like, <gasps> I don't even want that because it is like, if I have one criticism of Margaret Atwood's work, and actually I do only have one, <laughs> it's that that shit is so common. Like mm-hmm. every Margaret Atwood book you read, everybody winds up in the same place at the end. And you're Ooh. like, I don't know that I buy this. I like that. Like it annoys the shit out of me. 
Um, My complaint is that I'm having trouble getting into edible women. <laughs> uh, and I really want to like it. And I'm, I'm, ha- I'm having a little trouble with it. So that's my only complaint. So I might switch to uh, Oryx and Crake. Anyway, oh, but- d- listen, Oryx and Crake is phenomenal. Okay. Like Oryx and Crake and You're the Flood are ones where I'm like, this is okay. You can all end up in the same place together. Um, um, Matt Adam, slightly less so, but. So then it switches, like you said, directly to the so we see Emily like walking like it's pretty deserted everybody's asleep and Marissa Tomei is hugging one in a line of just like these look like they're just toilets that are just like like they're like for show like these are not connected to any plumbing it's basically just (laughs) shit in a bowl yeah so she's barfing and just sick as fuck and Emily comes in and she's like oh my god like I'm so sick and like even up until this point, too. I was like, well, it's probably just the water. You know, we know that like the water, like it takes yeah. a while to uh, acclimate. That's what I was thinking, too. But no, she's like, what did you give me? And Emily is just like, uh, yeah, you've got like a probably a couple hours to live. This is what you get for holding another woman down while she was raped. Oh, snap. This is what a feminist looks like. I am trash. I am not good at anything. Oh, my God. And it is so cold-blooded. And I just have to fucking tip my bonnet. Because Uh. this is a bitch who has been systematically raped and brainwashed after being separated from her partner and her son. Yeah, she had her clit cut off. Mm. She murdered a dude. Now she's here and she's still fucking fighting the fight because not only does she kill her, she ties her ass to a fucking cross in her wife outfit. Ooh. And girl, girlfriend does not get caught at all. And she's even one of the first people out there looking at it. That is brutal. It's so brutal. And you know, she and just that's a puts rap on Marissa to me. Yeah. No. And I don't know. Again, I was like, why did we think she would have a multi episode <laughs> arc? Like I know like hashtag me too or whatever, but like, she just like she doesn't do long arcs on shows and stuff. I I bet she was very expensive as well. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Is like nobody can afford. Like she won a fucking Academy Award. Yeah, she's friends with Lady Gaga. Like. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. But that was great. She did a great job. What a horrifying end to that episode. And then Janine. Janine. I literally wrote no Janine. touching. And Emily sees her and they hug. Mm-hmm. And then of course they're pulled apart because no touching. In Gilead. You know, I'm excited to see what Janine and Emily get up to in the colonies because for Janine to, Janine's a bit like a mad dog. Yeah. And Aunt Lydia had her on a choke collar. Yeah. And now that Aunt Lydia's out of the picture and, you know, she's got this ally and it seems like these women live with minimal interference from the ants i mean literally all that happens is all the time when they're working this gig sucks for the ants because it's just like get back to work tase someone 30 seconds later get back to work yeah and you know it's very repetitive yeah and then then did you notice did you clock what plays during the credits no but we're not there yet oh pardon me because June is watching Friends. Oh, right. And she decides she's like drinking out of a mug. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. I guess she must have running water because all of those mugs had like inches of dust in them. That's what I was going to say. So she pulls all of this memorabilia. I know. I This is where I ugly cried. I, I cried just too. cried my fucking eyes out here because 
she pulls all of these things and there's like a pride sticker. That's what I wrote that down for. all these okay. things that she puts on, she covers... She covers the bullet holes with these pictures of people and their families, and she puts their mugs and stuffed animals and all of these things all around, and she makes this shrine. She makes this shrine, and then she says the prayer for the souls of the faithful departed. So we're getting more like it wasn't just that her dad was Catholic; like she was raised Catholic, and like those rituals still have meaning for her. And I just got so fucking upset. Oh, I'm still upset. Me too. And I mean, because it's beautiful. And I'm so glad that like June has this opportunity mm-hmm. to grieve and to honor these people yeah, who lost their lives. Absolutely. But it's just so fucking brutal. It really is. Uh, I don't know why I'm surprised that The Handmaid's I'm Tale surpri- continues you know to what? be brutal. I'm surprised anew, and I think it's because we had this podcast. If we were just watching this show alone, uh-huh. like, yeah, of course it's brutal. But we yeah. like we have such a silly billy time with each episode that you watch new and you're like, wait, there aren't Shannon jokes in this organically? <laughs> Weird. You have to be the Shannon you wish to see yeah. in the world. So then that was a beautiful scene. And then we go to the credits and I thought the credits were silent. And then I started hearing something. So I turned it up louder and it's like um, a radio broadcast of a baseball game. <gasps> right. In which the Red Sox win. Yeah, it was recent so, that they won the World Series. So so a lot to think about with this because the Red Sox, if I'm if I remember from the Jimmy Fallon oeuvre fever pitch, uh, <laughs> the Red Sox are considered like an underdog cursed yeah. team, right? So when they win, it's a big win mm-hmm. for the city of Boston and also for the underdog, mm-hmm. especially if we're considering like the Yankees are like the evil. They are MLB. They're very team. evil. So. I think if I was to guess why they included that, it would be like the underdogs are going to start to win, maybe. Or maybe there's enough hope that sometimes the little guy wins. So I would say two things about that. Also, Red Sox, Red Dress for the handmaids. (gasps) They also wear Red Sox. I think they're also potentially taking a... They're taking a stand in the sense that this takes place after that season where the Red Sox won the World oh. Series. Jeez, oh, I do not remember what year that Me was. Either. But it was very. It was like within the last two to three years, I think. Anyway, I do think it's night. Like they're really, they're like you know, this is a very like Boston centric show. Yeah, and they're like taking ownership of that because like that was what you know a lot of the people's memorabilia at their offices were yeah. like Boston sports teams, and maybe and- they're also teasing Elizabeth Moss, who said recently <laughs> that like. Her alarm in the morning when she wakes up is the sound of the the Cubs winning the World Series. <laughs> she set that to be her alarm. So That's maybe so they're cute. teasing her about that dorky thing she well, does. Well, but also, remember, in the last episode, they were almost hung on Fenway Field. I know, I know, I know. So, yeah. I recognize that as a callback I, Yeah, as well. and I thought of you this morning because I saw somebody wearing a Texas Forever Tim Riggins Friday Night Lights <laughs> t-shirt. And I was like, Aunt Lydia! I was like, don't say that to people, Kelly. They don't listen to your podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, Woo! what an episode. I am exhausted. I'm shook. It, it, I mean, and we know, like, all of the press has been like, it's going to get a lot worse. Also, my theory that there's going to be at least another season, they would be making a bigger deal if this was, like, the final season. I agree. Because I'm watching The Americans, and it's their final season, and so everything's like, it's the final time. And just there's such a huge PR angle for it that is like, oh, they're definitely having a third season. But this 10-season notion is garbage. Oh, my God, no. Like, seriously, if you work on this show... 
Don't do, like Game of Thrones is already creaking under the weight of however many seasons, right. what, seven, eight. And I mean, they had a template that yeah, that lasted more than one book. Yeah. And, so. but you know, it's just like, but people don't have the attention span. Right. And listen, we're saying this, we will watch it, but I don't want to. I can't handle 10 seasons yeah, nor can I. of this kind of brutality. Yeah. And clearly you've established that these writers are really, really smart mm-hmm. and really interesting writers. Take this same crop of writers, make something new, make the Mad Adam trilogy, make <gasps> something else <gasps> interesting and let this be what it make is. Make the mini series of the power. Yeah. Do I, it. I think they're doing it. Adapt excellent. Red Mars. <laughs> I think if you need things to be red. <laughs> exactly. So I think they're doing a great job, but I don't want to see him stretch 10 seasons. I agree. Okay. All right. Okay. So take care of yourselves. Take care of sex workers and... Nolite te bastardes carborundorum. Dum 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 I'll be there for you too.